He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole. Colby Powell and Taylor Williams with you. Taylor, just as neither of us predicted, Harris English and Matt Kuchar ran away with the field at the QB shootout. It was actually quite a bit of good golf last week. We had a Harris English and Matt Kuchar doing what they did. We had, I mean, arguably the most skilled player in the world, Matthew Fitzpatrick, win the DP World Tour Championship in Dubai. We had a U.S. Women's Open that finished on a Monday down in Houston due to some weather. There were some good storylines down there. So for the PGA Tour being off for a few weeks, we had some good golf last weekend. That's what I was about to ask. I, th- I thought we were supposed to be in the off season, And from everything you just listed there, that sounds like we're in the, the middle of the heat of competition. So I, Golf never sleeps, baby. I, especially once COVID stopped it for three months. Or I mean, we can we could go on the storylines for there. And you didn't even mention what we got coming up. We got the father-son, which, I mean, we've been talking about for how long now? A month now? Really? Ever since, ever since they announced it? We, we got, got Tiger, and we got Tiger Cup. That he is a cub. Yep, eleven years old, and so and I mean we got other great team. We got Thomas and his dad playing. Uh, Justin Thomas and his dad Daly and his his son are playing. The Langers are playing. Who um, Tom Lehman and his son are playing. And um, there's a couple others on there. And obviously, we had it pulled up and mentioned on our last show. And so yeah, you know, for me in the middle of December and almost Christmas, when we're not used to having a lot of golf, we sure do have a lot of golf going on. Which I ain't gonna lie to you, I love with every every. Uh, drop of blood I have in my body. Yeah, absolutely. It was nice to, and, and I mean, even the U.S. Women's Open, I caught myself watching for a couple of days. It was, oh yeah. I mean, it was did, good golf. Did you did you catch yourself rooting for Amy Olson for what happened to her um, father in law? I did. Yeah. For those who didn't hear, her father in law very unexpectedly passed away. I believe it was on Saturday. Saturday evening is what they said. Yeah, and, and then, so, correct me if I'm wrong, Colby. Did they play any golf Sunday because no, of the rain? No, they None didn't play any golf on Sunday. So, so you have to go from. I mean, you're just playing three rounds of golf in a major championship. You mean the final round of the U.S. Open, final g- grouping of the U.S. Open? Yes, and and what was? Do you, can you remember off the top of your head what her position was? She was tied for the lead. Was she one back? Was uh, she was, she didn't have the think, solo lead. I know. No, no, no. I think she was one back, and then uh, Shibuno had a one shot lead going into the final round. And so, I mean, whenever you do that, not only. You know, sometimes I remember whenever OU played LSU in the playoff game, LSU had the tragedy for one of their coordinators. Yeah. You remember something along those lines. And it was one of those things where it was so – like it happened that same day, that same morning. And then they were able to go out there and use that momentum. And I think for someone like Amy Olsen, I mean, how horrible is that that not only does it happen, but, you know, um, her husband flew in and he had to leave as well. And she just had to sit there a whole day of the rain when you're supposed to be playing the last round of a major championship thing about how your father-in-law has just, has just died. And really, I think in that situation, it doesn't really matter how close you are, but you feel the hurt for your spouse. Well, and, and then that- she's at that point alone. Because, like you said, her husband had flown back to North Dakota, which is where they live. They both went to North Dakota State. So her husband flies back to North Dakota. So she's she's by herself now in Houston. And she probably didn't have, you know, normally before COVID, you have your whole team there of people, right. you know, swing coach, all these different people there for your support. And now you have to be limited on who you bring in. So the one person you could bring in, your husband, has to leave for a horrible tragedy. And it's Thereby- not like you can even go out to a bar. Yeah, and no. have a drink. I mean, that's going to violate your your regulations. Yeah, yeah. You have to be um, locked in. You know, make sure you stay safe, which is which is fine. But I mean, just just for her to have to sit sit on that for a full day, whenever 
I'm not saying it would have been any easier just to go out the next day and just kind of go balls to the wall, but to have to sit on it for an extra 24 hours or 20 hours, however long it may be, I think that definitely hurt her chances. I'm not going to say that that's why she didn't win the championship by any stretch because um, for, I, I forget her name, Kobe, the lady ended up winning. She um, shot, what did she shoot, 67 uh, I believe yesterday? it was A.L. Kim. I'm looking it up to make sure. I mean, I'm... Birdie, I, the final three holes at Cypress Creek, none of which are a par five. Finishing birdie, birdie, birdie to win a U.S. Open by a shot. Big time. And, and it Big was, time. what, three under winning score playing down at the Woodlands? I mean, the, we saw, watching it yesterday or two days ago now, they were wearing beanies, long sleeve shirt. I mean, and it was wet too. I yeah. mean, A-Lim a- Kim uh, went 68, 74, 72, 67 on the final day, ended up winning with the, uh, so she was one over through three rounds, shot a four under 67 the final day, Ooh. won by a stroke over Jin Young Ko and Amy Olsen, uh, the only other player under par, actually the only other player at even par or better in the tournament because nobody finished even was Hinako Shibuno, who was the 1836 and I believe 54 hole leaders. Um, and then she ends up finishing in solo four. So yeah, only four players finished under par and Alim Kim finished birdie, birdie, birdie to win. That's pretty Six, ball. 66 to one going off at the start of the week. Oh boy. Yeah. That would have been nice to have a few bucks coin on. And so I turned it off after, um, cause on 18 Olsen had to hole out from the fairway to force a playoff. And so I see there, she, she finished one back. So she had to made her birdie putt cause she hit it. She actually in there really close. I she mean, did. Yeah. Six feet, eight feet, something like that. So yeah, she made it. So, you know, I mean, obviously you're looking for someone who won to win the championship, but to make that putt got her up to T second as opposed to solo third, or would that have tied her for third, uh, for fourth? Was that um, was she one? Was she one stroke or two strokes ahead of fourth? For Olsen, Olsen was. Did she make that putt? I'm trying to remember now. She did make the putt on 18. That got her into a tie for second. Had she missed it, she would have been T three. T three. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's worth that's worth a lot of coin. That's worth points. Yeah. I mean, that's worth everything. So I mean, it's that goes to show you never quit. And so I mean, you you know you need to hold out on the last hole. You don't do it, and you don't just step up there and hit the putt and three swipe and get out of there. Keep going with the best hat forward. And so she had a horrible shot in the 17. I think that's really what I mean. Obviously, a lot of stuff led up to that, but that's when you kind of knew she didn't have a chance to yeah. to seal the trophy and and really just the horrible tragedy to have in her family it was horrible and i was definitely rooting for her for that aspect of it but but at the end of the day it was some really good golf to watch and you know anytime you can get monday golf normally it's not a bad thing yeah i love monday golf i definitely had it on on monday whenever i was hanging out here around the house also oklahoma state had a freshman finish in the top 15 at this event maya stark an amateur played uh shot five over for the week no rounds worse than 74 in a U.S. Women's Open as a freshman in Oklahoma State. So, yeah, looks like uh, she's got a bright future. So, good stuff at the U.S. Women's Open. And then, like we mentioned, the DP World Tour Championship. I was really hoping that Victor Hovland could go low on Sunday and get himself a second consecutive win worldwide after having just won in Mayakoba the week prior. Then he goes up and he finishes uh, in a tie for third alongside Patrick Reed. One stroke better than those two was Lee Westwood. And then... And one stroke better than Lee Westwood was Mr. Skill himself. Mr. Don't hit the ball a long way. Hit the ball a straight way. Mr. Matthew Fitzpatrick. You know, uh, two things I'll say. One is that we, we talked a lot of where shit. Where do you go, Fitzy? We, we've talked a lot of shit on him since since he came out with his comments. And in all honesty, I think they're, they're rightful in, in a lot of cases. But if you can come out and win, win a big event, like uh, the DP World Championship was well, essentially the Tour Championship for the European Tour, and it had a strength of field of 262, which isn't that high. The reason is because it's a very limited field. You have to have a queue, a lot of uh, 
European Tour points, race to Dubai points along the way for the season. So it's a very limited field. And I'll be honest with you, Colby, it's probably a good thing that it happened over in Dubai during the middle of the night because with Matty Fitz and Patrick Reed coming down the stretch for the chance to win, that, that just really doesn't leave a very good feeling in my stomach. At all, um, I mean, it may, I mean, it's it. Even just thinking about it and looking at the leaderboard again, seeing both of them in the top three, it's it's. I don't know. It just it, it feels toxic almost. Yeah, it's a little rough, especially when there's two so likable guys up there in Lee Westwood and Victor Hovland. That's Very likable guys. Good point. I'm, yeah, Lee Westwood. I mean, let's just give it up to him. This this is a gentleman. He's won a golf tournament in four consecutive decades. Four decades. He's won a tournament. I Not mean, easy to do. That is insane. One in the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and then one, um, I believe, at earlier this year in 2020. And so, I mean, that's just a phenomenal player. He, he is, I will say, he is the best player in golf to not have won a major championship, in my opinion. And so, I definitely root for him, especially going against Matty Fitz after those comments he made. Just just really couldn't deal with it. But at the end of the day, I think also, too, Kobe, like you mentioned, I, I was rooting for Hovland as well. That would have been really cool to see him get that back-to-back finish or back-to-back wins. And so Still following up a win with a T3 after flying halfway across the globe ain't bad. No, not at all. Not at all. And, you know, the other thing we mentioned there also is that uh, Patrick Reed finished third and, you know, a lot of people are kind of, you know, why is, why would Reed be playing that? And from the way I understand, I think Reed's one of the few Americans, if not the only American that holds European tour membership, because you have to play so many events throughout the year, not including the majors, WGCs, the co-sanctioned events, that type of thing. So, you know, I give, I give Reed credit in the sense of that he is one of the few players to do that. And you see throughout the year before COVID, he plays more overseas. And I'll be honest with you, you know, uh, Azinger was the main one who did talk shit on the European tour. I kind of wish more Americans would play over, across the pond a few, a little bit more. I remember back in the early 2000s, Tiger would play a few events over there for appearance fees or whatever it may be. He didn't just go to Dubai. He went over. There was a Deutsche Bank tournament they used to play. There was a couple other ones, even New Zealand a couple years. I just, that's something that I wish more Americans did. And for all the smack we talk on Patrick Reed, I think that's one of the few things that I would give him credit for. Yeah, no doubt. I, I appreciate that as well. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, by the way, Took down three million for his win at the DP World Tour Championship. It's an eight million dollar purse, and the winner pocketed three. I don't have the full payout uh, in front of me here. Let me let me scroll a little bit further. Uh, my computer's wanting to freeze up on me. I don't have the full payout in front of me, but I know that uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick pocketed three million of the eight million dollar purse. So big congrats to him. Uh, Oh my gosh, my computer. And if, if you I'm know, so close to having all the payouts. Give me just a second. You know, if if for Matty Fitz, if you're gonna talk that smack about how you don't have to hit the ball far and do all this, then you have to at least back it up. So for him to go out and win a big tournament like this, I mean, it just I'm 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 tipping my hat to two guys that I really hate in this game of golf, which is really hard for me to do. But I gotta give credit where credits to you. You have the payouts in front of you, Cole. Oh, dude, I've got the payouts in front of me. So I mentioned it's only an eight million dollar purse, and the winner pockets three. So you know that there's going to be a steep drop off. And so there was, I believe, six middle sixties amount of players in the field. Oh uh, so, yeah, something like that. So you're looking at five million going to sixty some players, with three million going to one. Just just for reference for everyone. Yeah. So by the way, the guys who tied for tenth, there were four guys who tied for tenth. Uh, Adriana, and then three you will have heard of: Andy Sullivan, Colin Morikawa, and Tommy Fleetwood. Which I'm surprised Colin Morikawa was in this field, but he tied for tenth as well. The guys who tied for tenth pocketed ninety seven thousand five hundred dollars. Whoo! Wow. So and, uh, how many? How many? Stri- two point nine million dollar drop off. I know Matty for, Fitz was at minus fifteen. What were those minus tens at? Or uh, not uh, minus, minus ten? Seven. What were the T minus tens? Seven. Minus seven. Okay. Eight shot difference. So eight so shot difference. Pretty significant yeah. difference. But there's only one stroke difference between Matthew Fitzpatrick and Lee Westwood. Matty Fitz pocketed three million. Lee Westwood got eight hundred fifty thousand. Who? But so 200 two hundred. A two point one five million dollar difference. 
for one stroke. For one stroke over the course of four days. Man, that and then is... you drop down another 400K to get to Hovland and Reed for two strokes over four days. So that was almost $2.6 million difference between Fitz and what Hovland and Westwood got. That Not is, Hovland and Westwood, Hovland and Reed. I mean, that is... And and you can, you see a similar thing in the in the tour championship where I believe it's you know fifteen million and then it goes down to five million and you're like oh well five million is still a lot of money but that's ten million dollar difference between yeah. first and second and you see something on the similar scale here just to a smaller degree with three million instead of fifteen million being the prize and. You know, I mean, it's it goes to show we talk about strokes gained all the time and how just one stroke over the course of an entire season can make a difference. And you saw it right there. You make or miss one. If Westwood would have made would have made a putt, would have made one more putt Thursday and Friday, or would have made one more putt Thursday or Friday, and made one more putt Saturday or Sunday, he would have won two point more than two million dollars just off of a putt a putt made here or there every other day. That Kids, is every shot matters. Every single shot matters. And that's, single, don't throw one away on the first day because you're being careless. Every shot matters. It does, you will and, live to regret it. And that uh, I actually just got a book. It's titled Every Shot Counts. It's kind of an analytics golf book, so that kind of uh, tells into that. And, um, and yeah, I mean, just over the course of an entire season like that and for – and um, let's, let's get it straight, Cole. Westwood's not hurting for money by any stretch. Oh, he shouldn't be at least. I mean, he's been – when you win for four decades, you're going to be out there doing well. But at the same time – I root for the guy just from everything he brings. I think he's a good guy, and I definitely want him to win a lot more than I did Fitzpatrick. But like I said, I, I hate to do it, but you got to give him credit if he's gonna he's gonna talk the smack that he did. You got to back it up, and he did win by winning three million dollars. So really good for him. Yep, gonna talk it. You got to walk it. Uh, all right, the QB shootout. So this was the format where it's two man teams did scramble on Friday, modified alternate shot Saturday, best ball on Sunday. So PGA Tour version of essentially what almost all country clubs do at least one time a year. Pretty much. Uh, where yeah with the members where it's it's can be called your various things but it's kind of a gimmicky type of thing where you got to like we said in our previous show you got a nickel and dime it very well over the course of four days especially or yeah, three days and I'm this sorry. was you know i mean this tournament was over pretty much going into the final day because of what harris english and matt kutcher did on saturday in the modified alternate shot uh just about everybody shot in the 50s during the scramble portion the worst uh score in the scramble portion was 62 which was shared by a few teams and then in the modified alternate shot Nobody shot better than 66 in the modified alternate shot except for Harris English and Matt Kuchar, who shot a 61. Whew. They were five shots better than the field in that format, so they were pretty much running away with it. But then they come out the next day, and they shoot the lowest score in the field in the best ball, a 60 in the best ball. So these dudes were on fire. Uh, they obviously alternated their birdies whenever they could, and they end up winning by nine strokes. And what's interesting is uh, so... The next, there were 12 teams in this. The next 10 teams are only separated by seven strokes, and they won by nine. So it was the definition of a one-horse race. Yes, and, the definition. And, and, you know, this is going to be one thing that I'm going to look into um, later on, probably towards more Chris Tom Colby. I think go through and look at who are the guys who most improved over this last PJ Tour season compared to last couple, and... I think Harry English is the definition of that. I mean, he is, like I said, I mean, how many weeks in a row do we mention him here on DraftKings? And he, he hasn't stopped at any point. And will it stop? Has he has he elevated himself into one of these? I wouldn't, he's not an elite player. He's not in the, the Kepka, Rory range or JT. But he's a consistent player. He's super consistent. And, 
you know, I don't, I'd have to look up his age. I mean, I know he's still fairly young. He may be under his 30. He may be, may still be young 30s. Let me, uh, let me check it out here. I got it right here for you. Harris Uh, English is 31 years old. Won't be 32 until July. Yeah. So, I mean, still fairly young guy. Very, like I said, most, I've said this before, new, most underrated swing on the PGA Tour and maybe even the world. And I think for him, I'm, I'll go back and I'll, I'll get a little bit more in depth because I want to see exactly where his game has improved over the last two years in particular, because for him to not only have just played at a high level for a short period of time, but for a, doing it for this many months consecutively is saying something. And I think I think he's going to be a golfer that you, we're going to be looking at going forward, not just to win tournaments, but to potentially win some major championships. After the Farmers this year, he was ranked 206th in the world. Care to uh, take a guess what his world ranking is now? 206th is what he was ranked after the Farmers. I'm going to say 38. Well, fairly close. 29th in the world he's ranked now. Cool, boy. 29th in the world, near his career high, where uh, he at one point got up to 28th in the world. But actually, this will be the best that he's ever ended a year in the world. The highest he's ever ended a year in the world rankings was 2013. He was 53rd in the world at the end of that year. So I bet early in that year is whenever he got up to 28, and then he kind of started to fall off. And so that, that's an interesting thing, there because that was 2013, and you said he's 31 now, going to be 32. So he was only 24 back then when he yeah. was at 28 in the world. And so he's kind of, as you see, one of those guys that we hear about. Golf's such a fickle game in his late 20s. He's, he's sort of lost it. And he's gotten it back, if not to a better degree, because he did end the season at 28 in the world, and that's the highest he's been. But I would venture to bet that he will be a top 20 player in the world within the next few months, ranking-wise at least. Yes, I would, I would bet by the time the Masters rolls around again, he's top 20 in the world, because I'm betting he's going to continue to play a lot of these tournaments uh, coming up this this not. I guess winter into spring before we get into the Masters. So Harris English is playing some great golf. Why don't we do this? Let's take a break. Let's come back on the other side. I want to dive a little bit more into your Every Shot Counts book, some of the stuff that you've been reading in there uh, that we can pass along to people, try try to help other people's games, Uh, as well as we'll cover the PNC Father-Son Challenge coming up this weekend. We've got the Tiger. We've got the Tiger Cub. We'll get you a full list of the field. We'll let you know what time it's actually going to be on TV, where you can watch it, all that good stuff coming up. Stay with us here on the 73rd Hole. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams with you. Find us online at the 73rdhole.com. You can also find us on social social media. Search 73rd hole on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, take the time to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you may be listening. 
Uh, all right, Taylor, you mentioned you're reading a book right now, and you do this stuff kind of every year toward the end of the year. You go back, you look at golf analytics, you break it all down, you try to look at ways that you can improve your game. Now you've got this book, Every Shot Counts, that you've been diving in. I don't think you're all the way through it, but just kind of take us through kind of what you've been reading so far and some of the, the keynotes. Give us a brief synopsis, if you will, of what you found out from Every Shot Counts. Yeah, and, and I'm the type of reader where it's it's hard for me to read a novel or anything like that because I'm, I'm a page skipper. You know, look, ch- uh. chart charts are really good and and you, you especially a book like this you just kind of read the, the the titles of chapters and then go through you know because there's certain chapters on putting uh iron play driving and then there's all kind of course strategy all that so essentially it's just break it all down it's essentially just a golf analytics book i would recommend it to anyone out there who wants to not only teach golf but to better their games themselves Does that recent and, statistics in it? um it, it actually came out in it was originally published in 2014 so some of the metrics are kind of old what it um, one of the main things it has in there is right around the time when all of the analytics got started, um, the gentleman who wrote his name, Mark Brody, he's a, a um, professor at Columbia, so not a bad institution. And so went through, and a lot of things you uh, read in there are like the late 2000 or mid to late 2000 stats with like Tiger, Ernie, Phil, and all that. And I think those are really cool to look at because on a lot of those metrics are real in depth, but also too, you can look at how those metrics are used and then even look on, for example, pjtour.com slash stats or whatever it is. And you can even learn how to interpret those stats for yourself. And so whenever you're looking at other players on tour, who to look at, for example, if you're wanting to do DraftKings or if you uh, one and done pools coming up this month, if you're looking for guys who are kind of peaking at the right time. Um, one thing that it had in there that was really good, it had what uh, whatever particular year it was, had the um, had every single course on there and it it ranked like what were the hardest uh, greens to put on versus the easiest um, Pebble Beach was by far the hardest to put on because of the POA which I thought was pretty interesting um, one of the other things that broke down was we've talked about it before Kobe how every foot closer you have matters so it, it breaks down you know exactly and it breaks down too at the skill level too which I thought was interesting where there was a chart in there where it says you know it have the best true player percentage from you know three feet to 20 feet or whatever it is and then it'll have average average tour player percentage you'll have the poor PJ tour players percentage you have scratch golfer it'll have your 80 golfer at 90 golfer so it gives it gives stats for every single type of skill level which I think is something that is really important in golf because we're all not the same skill level I mean that's everyone needs a certain type of different instruction and one thing that it, it pointed out that I thought was pretty fascinating was that basically breaking down the importance of shots, right? Like remember we talked, we, one of our shows we had, if you could be the leader in two of the four main categories, strokes gain, driving approach, um, short game and putting, which two would you take? And according to the book, undoubtedly the number one answer would be approach to green and a little bit less than close to second would be driving. It was like 40% was, was equated to strokes gained approach. 27%, I believe was contributed to strokes gained driving. So that's 67%. So that leaves about, about a third of your game is related to short game and putting. Um, one other thing I thought it was interesting was I believe I, I don't want to get the exact number cause I don't have the book in front of me, Colby, but a very, very high percentage of putts, especially on tour, are made from inside of two feet. So you see a lot of stats of, oh, well, this guy made so many putts inside of three feet or four feet or whatever. And it's whenever you whenever you tap it up there so close like these guys do all the time, it's that's where they're saving strokes is because you notice how 
if you once you look at the chart, you see how oh, a two footer these guys make ninety nine percent of the time. A four footer you make eighty five percent of the time. Well, there's uh, hitting a chip to two feet to tor- to four feet isn't that much of a difference. And so whenever you it gave also some different drills to do as well, Colby, where you know particularly the main feet of putt difference that is most important is for the PGA Tour Pro, it's five feet. Was the that's the main difference between if you want to be a great elite putter or an average putter, five feet is the magic distance. For an amateur, it's four feet. That basically breaks it down all the all the numbers formula, all of it's there, and basically says that that is the those are the main from the chart I saw from about five feet to probably twelve to thirteen feet is the main difference in in the in the best putters on tour, for example, the Denny McCarty's and uh, Luke Donald stuff like that compared to your average putters and even your worst putters. And cause you, you'll see from three to five feet, there's not a whole lot of difference because I mean, even poor tour, even poor, even Most poor guys still make those, even, even poor putters make putts inside five feet. And, even great putters don't make a lot of putts outside of 15 feet because it's just you're so far from the hole and it's you're putting on and, and it's only four and a quarter inches wide so. exactly <laughs> so you know basically it's you know to sum it all up it it breaks it all down into you know it, it can focus on if you're a 90 if you average 90s you average 70s are you a scratch player are you one of the many juniors that listens to our show and wants to be a pga tour pro so I'm, I'm you know if you want to teach or if you want to be play professionally pga tour whatever you want to do it's going to help your game and it was there's just so many numbers in there. It's almost like you need a calculus degree to to do it. But it's not it's not as complicated as, for example, the um, the golf machine. Gosh dang it, is that the name of it? What's the Bryson DeChambeau book? Oh my lord! Um, oh yeah, I the can't go- remember. The, it's the golfing it. machine, I believe. I think is what it's called. I don't know how. I don't know this. I own the book myself. Um, but it's not as complicated as that. But it is. Um, and a lot of the charts are pretty straightforward. So it's not something yeah, it's that the golfing machine. The golfing machine. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, what's the author? Um, uh, mm, is it Mike, Mike Ski, Mike Shy? No, that's not it. Um, gosh dang it. Sorry. I should, if, if we were doing this at my house, I would have the bookshelf right behind me and we could look at all this, but, um, but nevertheless, and also too, it had in there the strokes, um, strokes gained, um, you know, for example, like we had talked about Homer Kelly, Homer Kelly. That's yep, it. I Homer knew it was Kelly. Homer because, um, or it was related to that because Homer wrote Iliad and Odyssey. I knew it was kind of related to that, but nevertheless, one thing I went through and did Kobe was, you take, for example, you know, it has your holes 400 yards long, your holes 440 yards long, your holes 480 yards long. And so what I did was I went through and I calculated, okay, how far would you need to hit a drive in the fairway on this, on this length of hole to gain a stroke or to gain, to be positive on the field as opposed to negative. And essentially, no matter how long the hole is, if you hit a drive 270 yards or further in the fairway, you're gaining strokes on the field. Because you're putting yourself in a better position to make a better score than you were from when you teed off. One of the one of the things that I thought was very interesting was that, so like I say, any drive over 270, you're gaining strokes. There's there's a fine line between the the shorter holes to the longer holes. The the medium uh, length holes, Colby, for example, your 440s to your 480s was kind of where I saw the biggest difference in where it sounds a little bit weird because. You know, you would think that you would want to be further away, so you'd hit it in, be more likely to hit it in the fairway. But for the amount of strokes that you gain from from the amount of the length of the hole, you it is so much more important to hit the fairway on those medium length holes because 
if from the way the numbers add up, if you hit it in a fairway bunker on a hole that's like 440 yards, you have to hit your drive like 390 yards or plus to technically gain strokes because that's how because <laughs> that's how hard bunkers fairway bunker shots are. Right. And but once you get further away from that, like once you get on par fives that are like 520 plus yards, hitting it in a fairway bunker isn't as penalizing because it's not that much discrepancy between being 100 yards in a fairway bunker and 150 yards in a fairway bunker, if that makes sense, or even a little bit further back. Yeah, it but does. but and so basically what I was trying to calculate was, was that how far would you have to be able to hit it every time to gain stroke? Kind of like what Bryson is doing, because essentially besides those few middle holes that I said with hitting it in fairway bunkers, anytime you hit it in the rough, if you hit it further than 310 yards, you gain strokes. Any, no matter, no matter. And, and one thing too about it too is that the fairway. So, so you're telling me that I'm never gaining strokes. If if you the the one or two times that you hit at 270 in the fairway, then you you'll gain a stroke. Well, there we go. So once or twice around, I gain a stroke. There you go. There and you so, go. And, and I really like the chart too, Cole, because then you can really break down, and you really don't even have to know that much about. You don't even have to do that much calculation, but you can see. Okay, well, I played I played this par four today. It was four hundred yards. Okay, I sh- you know average is four. Okay, I hit a drive. Where was my drive? Okay, it was two ninety right in the middle of the fairway. Okay, so I technically gained strokes. So somewhere along that line, I if I made a bogey, I lost strokes somewhere. And so you know it's easy to go in there and calculate where exactly you're gaining or losing strokes because it it kind of just details it all in front of you, and all you have to do is really remember and calculate what you did in your own rounds, and if you can reflect on what you did positively and poorly it's going to really better yourself and i think that it's it's one of the best golf books i've read in a long time and i would recommend it's probably in my top three to five must reads for any type of golfer out there yeah i mean that's awesome sounds good and tell everybody the title again did you just get on uh, amazon? every shot every shot counts by mark brody yeah okay. it's did you just get on amazon uh, amazon yeah ebay and really anywhere it's uh it should be out there uh yeah mark brody every shot counts um yeah it just anyone who wants to get better at their game should definitely read it's broken down into various chapters so whatever area of game you want to focus on you can look at uh, like i said tiger back when he was at his prime you can see just how many more strokes he gained approach to green compared to everyone else and that was what was so telling he he gained like half a stroke more around than or a tournament whatever it is over over the next second best player in the world vj or ernie or whoever it was and it's, it's just astounding to see how how that was what really propelled him because you look at it he was tiger was in the total driving some years he wasn't really there but even so he was closer to top five and his short game you would think would be really high he was never one of the top one of the you know, he was never the best short game player and he was never the best putter, but his iron, his approach to green was always number one every single time. And so, I mean, if, if that's what Tiger did, player of all time, there's no doubt about it. And the numbers speak for themselves. And the only regret I have is I wish we could. One thing that the book does show that's funny is that it has a round from Bobby Jones in 1930, one of his rounds. And it does his strokes gain putting on there. Oh, that's phenomenal. And it's so fascinating. And so one of the things that I just wish we could do, I wish we could go back on all of our old players and just get all of their stats and metrics like we have now. So we could analytically compare. I mean, obviously I know the courses are different. Greens are faster now than they would be, but it would just be so cool to see where exactly these, the greats of the game excelled over, you know, everyone talks 
talks about how good of a short game player Seve was. Well, how many strokes gained around the green? Would he have actually been better than the next best chipper or next best wedge player? I think that would be something to really look at in detail because these numbers definitely show how much better of an iron player Tiger was and still is technically probably than any golfer in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, touch on a couple other things here before we get to the PNC Championship. Number one, I want to get your thoughts on this. The European Ryder Cup team, has tweaked its point system. Do you see this? I did not. So this is actually really smart, I think, what the European Tour is doing. So, you know, obviously we didn't have the Ryder Cup this year. We're going to have it mid-September next year. So uh, mid-September, mid-October, some, sometime like that. But what the European Tour is doing is, so the new weighting system will see all of the race to Dubai and official world golf ranking points earned between January 1st and May 9th of this upcoming season multiplied by one and a half points. And then events beginning with the British masters through the BMW PGA championship, which basically the end of the season, right before the Ryder cup will be multiplied by two. And what the European Ryder cup team, the the logic is get guys who are on form in the Ryder cup. So what they're doing is, is basically now the second year of each qualifying for, for the Ryder cup. They're going to make those points one and a half for the first season and times two for the second half of that season. And then they're going to try to get guys who are playing their absolute best golf at that time into the Ryder Cup. So the European Tour is officially, uh, or the European Ryder Cup team is officially tweaking its point system. And, you know, I, I think off the premise and everything I heard right there, Colby, I think it's a great idea. And you see in the world ranking points as well where, you know, we talk about how you, you'll lose your ranking once two years goes away. Well, even over the course of, of a while, you lose a little bit of value on each. So, like, for example, even before Tiger's Tour Championship came off of his record on the World Golf Rankings website, he was losing points each week for that win. Not, it wasn't because it wasn't um, any less victorious or anything like that. It's just been a further time away since it happened. And so I think the only flaw I would have in that, Colby, is, and it may not even be a flaw at all, it's just how much does the 1.5 and the two times points, does that have an impact on the overall point structure? Because if you have a guy who, because like, we want to talk about players who are, who are on form, but if you have a guy who goes out and, you know, some guy we've never heard of on the European Tour wins the BMW Championship and gets a whole ton of points because they're times two, right. but really isn't that good a player. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I'm obviously still a great player if you win that tournament on the tour, whatever stretch of the imagination, but if there's clearly other guys who would be better, but he wins a tournament, kind of maybe in back doors at whatever you want to may say, and gets all those points just because it's times two and later in the year, where, I mean, we see it all the time, Colby, a guy wins who isn't supposed to win, they fall off the, the cliff and never and don't play again. So, you know, or they go two years like Jim Herman and, and then win again. So, you know, is will you see something like that happen? And will is the two point and the one point, the, the, I think the times two is the one you really have to worry about instead of the 1.5 because I don't think that would make that whole much well, also, a lot that's different. still about five months prior to the Ryder Cup. The, the two times point system, I mean, that's leading up to just a few weeks before the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Well, the, the so last Somebody half, can so. make a big leap two, three weeks before the Ryder Cup. Yeah. And so I think, you know, in all honesty, I, I don't mind, I don't mind that at all, Colby, the, the formula. I just, I, I love what the U.S. team did a few years ago when they went from 10 automatic qualifiers to two captain's picks and they went from eight to four. I wouldn't mind it, even for the European team. I don't see why it shouldn't be six and six, in my opinion. I think... That's what, you know that's what it will be next year for Stricker, right? Is it really? For yeah. the present? Uh, well, for, because it was a delayed 
Ryder Cup. So let me see uh, if I can pull this up here. So he, he's going to have six captain's picks. And this is at Whistling Strikes. Yep, this, this, this is at Whistling Strikes, yep. Uh, Ryder Cup postponed to 2021. The PGA of America announced Wednesday, that, uh, and this was a story written back in August, that U.S. Captain Steve Stricker will have six captain's picks to fill out his squad for Whistling Straits. That was part of the revised U.S. selection criteria for biennial matches uh, set now. Okay, so the Ryder Cup next year will be played September 24th through 26th now, it, of 2021. It, Kobe, you have it right there in front of you. Is that something that's permanent or is this just a COVID thing? Uh, man, that's a great point. I don't necessarily I, I knew see I had that the idea I somewhere. Think that's I, just a COVID I, thing. I'm not smart enough to come up with that idea by myself, so I knew I heard it somewhere. Um, but I don't see why you wouldn't, why you wouldn't do it because, I mean, at the end of the day, Colby, I mean, we – the, the the eye test for golf can and can really do a lot for you. I mean, yeah. you, you, I, I'm I mean, actually not for, seeing anything here that says it's only for the COVID Ryder Cup. It, it says here that um, that was part of the revised U.S. selection criteria for the biennial matches. Yeah, so I mean, so, I mean yeah. that's, that's, if if that's what they're doing, I, I love it. Or even worst case scenario, seven and five would be fine. I just I. You haven't really seen it much in the U.S. and really European because it's it's. I think you see it a little bit more on the, on the international team where guys who, excuse me, who may not be playing that well may have just played earlier who were in the top four or five in the rankings then dropped down to like eight because they haven't been playing very well. Automatic qualifiers because they've earned enough points. I think at the end of the day, I mean, even I, I wouldn't mind having all of them be captain's picks. In my opinion, I mean, you could have some sort of basis, kind of like, kind of like the AP poll for the college football. You know, where it's like it's a ranking system you look at, but it doesn't really have a whole lot of prevalence into who gets into the the final four. You know, the the playoffs. So, right. I mean, if you want to do something like that, I wouldn't mind it. That way, you can say, oh, hey, this guy was third on the points list, and you didn't pick him. You know, what, well, what's well, going well, let's on? Let's be here? honest, though. How often would that come up? Because how, how often is a guy going to be in the top six unless it was like, you know, some guy who had a ridiculous first year once seven times and then the next season he totally falls off the face of the earth and can't even make a cut. Well, in that case, you might have a guy who's, you know, sits fourth or fifth in the Ryder Cup rankings and doesn't get picked. But most of the time, I don't think that a guy in the top six is going to be unpicked. No, and and that's that. the main testament of that is just how deep the U.S. and Europe teams are. Because right. if a player goes out and misses a lot of cuts, someone's going to jump him. You know, and it's the reason you don't – there's a great, lot of great international golfers out there. It's just from what I've noticed in the President's Cup, you see that a little bit more often just because not necessarily as top-heavy as as the as the Europe and the um, – what should we call it teams are. I mean, they are as – I'm sorry, I phrased that completely wrong they are as top heavy but once you get to about the the lower to middle tier of the the you know seven to twelve guys that's where you see the difference and so that's why i wouldn't mind going to more of a philosophy like that i think like like i said before the eye test can do enough for you on who you want to pick and so um, the more picks you can have the better i'm not i'm not a big fan of automatic qualifiers getting in um yeah i don't mind six and six because you're rewarding guys but i wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind all captains' picks either. It wouldn't bother me in the in the slightest. Because well, so. it, it's like you said, no one, you, no one's going to get completely shafted. You would think. I mean, at least in my opinion, yeah, I wouldn't think so either. I mean, like I said, unless you're incapable of making a cut for six months and you're in the the top six of the rankings, I can't imagine you'd be left off the Ryder Cup team. Yeah, no, there, there there's no chance. And so I would, I. I you definitely need to be rewarded for your play. I completely agree with that. And no one should get completely shafted, which is why I don't think if you had captain's picks, that would never happen. Because one thing too, Colby, is if someone was third on the U.S. team points list, the captain didn't pick him and they lost. Oh, boy. I, I just had a thought, though. guy like Patrick Reed has proven himself to be a bad teammate in team events. Patrick Reed finishes a season third in points, and we're doing all 12 captain's picks. Maybe this particular captain decides that he's real big on team chemistry, and Patrick Reed gets shafted. Would you have a problem with that? 
I think I would because um, I think he's earned his way there. Even though he's been a bad teammate in the past, he's he's played golf that's earned his way there. That that, that, that is definitely a fair point. I will. That's the only I, flaw I see in it. The only I, one. I would say it, it depends on how it's earned. And it depends on what happens between now and then. It's nothing like we if we look at it right now and said, "Hey, Reed's in the top three. Should he play?" I would say absolutely. He just finished third in in the race to Dubai or in the uh, DP World Tour tournaments, and he's been playing really well. But if he goes, is Dr Pepper is that who the sponsor is there? Yeah, DP. Yeah, there, there's just if you're at work right now, just Google DP on your computer <laughs> and God, let us know what it stands for. <laughs> uh, yeah, make sure your uh, your children block is on whenever you do that. But uh, nevertheless, um, yeah, I mean. I completely agree, Colby. I think, well, let me say this. I, I agree for the most part in the sense of if if he's playing good enough and has not shown anything to to set him back on the standards of ethics when it comes to golf, I would say it's not a problem. He, he had The reason Reed got such a bad rap two times is because last year at the President's Cup, the the – at the Hero happened the week before the President's Cup, so that's why it was fresh on everyone's mind. And then the time before was when he got all crybaby because he had to play with Spieth instead of Tiger. Or or, or got to play with Tiger instead of Spieth. Yes. Sorry, sorry, I said yes, that backwards. Yes, yes. yes, and so that's the reason why he's not getting, he's getting the claim to be a bad teammate because before that, Colby, I mean, we were calling him Captain America. He was the right, he yeah, was the right, right. President's Cup team I mean, literally, he was the captain. He was. We were the, calling him Captain America because he wagged his finger at Rory. Let's be real. That's why he was Captain America. And and because still, he, still an all time great Ryder Cup moment. By the way, we're not actually going to mention the outcome of that Ryder Cup. No, no. Well, uh, no. We U.S. won that Ryder Did Cup. Did U.S. win that one? That they won. Yep, because it was at Hazel Team. The, yeah, one, the it was. one they didn't win was. I was winning, thinking about Medina. That's when he. The one they didn't win was when um, Reed. Sh- the uh, European crowd. Yeah. Um, yeah. Might have been the K Club, or I, I can't remember exactly where, but I think it was the same year that Mayhan had the horrible chip. Oh. It might have been Glenn. No, God, what is the name of that? Yeah, my, gosh, Glenn Eagles? It. it might be. I guess, dang it. I, it's in Wales. I know that. Celtic Manor. That's Celtic it. Manor. That's, that's it. it. Yep. I think that's it. I believe that's it. So, um, so yeah, I think that's where it So, going back to that, Colby, what, what you said, if, if he was in the top three, would you have a problem? Probably so. So, yeah, I, I guess you've kind of turned me around. They probably need to have a top that's three. The, that's the one flaw I see. I would say top three to four, definitely, have to should be assured in. Okay, I would, I, so I, maybe I, three I, and then nine captains picks? Three and nine, four, and maybe you just flip-flop from what it was. Go Instead of eight and four, go to four and eight. Yeah, I, already, I wouldn't have a problem with that. And in all honesty, what we have now going from six to six is is – is heading more towards on the right track for me. I yeah, mean, so. I agree. You know, top three or four, if you've been that great for two years, you deserve in no matter what. There shouldn't be a captain that's like, you know, I think this guy's going to disrupt the locker room. He doesn't deserve in. If you've played that great of golf for two years, you deserve in. That's a fair point because all, you know, one thing that people forget about a lot of times is that the, these captains are former players. So, oh, yeah. I mean, they, they probably have relationships with, with these guys that they would be picking. So, if Stricker you, was out there not that long ago. I mean, Stricker's still out there from time to time, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously he, like for example, Stricker didn't play with Morikawa and and right. Wolf and all these guys, but he was out there with, with Tiger, well, Phil, Kutcher, uh, Webb Simpson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, he's he's still out there playing and all that. So you know, you have relationships. So yeah, I, I think you you've swayed me a little bit there, Kobe, because if someone does have a personal vendetta against a player, that shouldn't hinder them from making or missing a team. Right, exactly. It's like a captain's getting interviewed, and he's like, "Now, uh, so and so was second in the points, and you left him off. Well, what's your reasoning there?" 
Oh, uh, guy's a complete dick. I didn't want him in my locker room. It's like, pretty oh, much, well, yeah. okay. But at the end of the day, I, I would I would appreciate that instead of him saying some BS comment. At least be truthful about right. it. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. hilarious. Like uh, I know this is totally off topic, but James Harden was asked why he was out in Vegas and Atlanta instead of in Houston for training camp. He was like, "Well, I was training, getting ready for the NBA season." Huh. And a reporter said, "Well, well." What weren't the Rockets training at training camp? He's like, well, yeah, I, I was doing some stuff by myself. No, you weren't, dude. You were a little baby's birthday party getting turned. Or when a, a, a very similar line because we were actually talking about during the break where Giannis signed the supermax, and I saw him on ESPN like a week ago, and they're asking him, you know, what you think about this contract? And they're like, it's not on my mind at all. And it's like, <laughs> like okay, if yeah, if, this two hundred fifty-eight million dollars isn't on your mind. Yeah, if you have a contract that's ending in a year and you're not planning on what you're going to do after that. You're an idiot. So I mean, right. so so either so we know you're lying. So either you're lying or you're an idiot. So you might as well just come out and say the truth. Be like, yeah, I want to get paid. I want to stay here, but something's fucking up. It's not working. You know, just be honest with us, guys. Quit lying. I mean, yeah. come on. Exactly. So uh, all right, we need to move on. So um, by the way, real quickly, and then we'll get to the PNC. You mentioned you like it whenever Americans go over and play some European tour events. Justin Thomas will make his fourth start on the European tour, January twenty first, Abu Dhabi, the HSBC Championship. Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy have both committed. Of course, Rory's played over there quite a bit. Four runner-ups, no victories in that event for Rory, so maybe this is the year that he gets it done, but JT will be over there for his uh, fourth start on the European Tour, first since the 2019 Scottish Open. All right, PNC Championship will take place this Saturday and Sunday. It'll be at the Ritz-Carlton Golf Club Grand Lakes in Orlando, Florida. Features 20 major champions uh, and winners of the players alongside a family member. Also, Annika Sorenstam is in the field. Annika Sorenstam and her father. Uh, by the way, she was saying she might come back and play on the uh, the Legends Tour, the LPGA Senior Tour in the U.S. I, I need to look up exactly. Open. She was just um, she was just um, named the president of some um, organization in women's golf. Let yeah, me look she's at, been crushing it. Let she's me, been let a me look huge up. ambassador to the game. Oh, lately. my Lord. Has, I, and uh, I, I, loved, I loved Annika ever since um, ever since I grew up watching golf. And she well, was, she's playing some of those two-on-two deals with like Tiger and Phil and Duval all of some of those guys way back in the I day. I remember there was um there was one one of those things you mentioned there Colby um Annika and um, I think Tiger someone else Annika and Fred Funk played and Annika I drove Fred Funk on one of the holes and they played the same tees and, and so it was uh, it was a pretty funny moment so I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm trying to look up here exactly what she was she I mean it was literally just happened very recently so, so I'm trying any, to find anyway it. well you looked that up format it's just scramble 18 hole Saturday 18 hole Sunday it is a scramble format the entire way uh so I'll give you a rundown of the field here. I'll list off all the teams. It'll take me just a minute here, not too long. Mark Kalkovecki and his son are playing. John Daly and his son, Little John, will be in the field. David Duvall and his son, Brady, are in the field. Jim Furyk and his son, Tanner, are in the field. Patrick Harrington and his son. You know what Patrick Harrington's son's name is? Hit me with it. Patty. <laughs> Very That's creative. fantastic. Creative. P-A-D-D-Y. Patty Harrington, along with his father, Padraig. Uh, Lee Jansen and his son, Connor. Tom Kite and his son, David. Matt Kuchar and his son, Cameron. Uh, Bernard Longer and his son, Jason. Tom Lehman and his son, Sean. Uh, Greg Norman and his son, Gregory. Marco Mira and his son, Sean. Gary Player and his grandson, James Throssel, which, by the way, Gary Player teeing it up with his grandson, that's is dope. Phenomenal. Gary Player is way up there in age, 
and he is the absolute man. Well, you know, we, we talk about trendsetters with workout and all that. Gary Player was the first to work out essentially as a golfer and still is, well, at least to make it mainstream. And I just got it right here, Colby. Um, not even having to do with women's golf. Annika was elected the president of the International Golf Federation, replacing that's, Peter Dawson. That's phenomenal. Fan, fantastic. That's Love phenomenal. It. Love yep. everything about her. Yep, she's been great. So, uh, Nick Price and his son, Greg. Soren, yes. uh, sorry, one, one time. One, no, go ahead. Sorenstam, 72-time winner on the LPGA Tour. And oh, she, yeah. and I she mean, really didn't play that. I mean, she retired early, Go too. status. I mean, her and Mickey Wright are hold goat status I mean, it's, on the LPGA. She was they're, they're, unbelievable. There's, there's probably a couple others in there I'm forgetting about, but those are the two names that always come to my mind, Mickey Wright and Annika Sorenstam. Because uh, Mickey Wright, I think, is an 82-time LPGA Tour winner. Um, Nick Price and his son, Greg. You think Nick Price named his son after Greg Norman? That, that would be pretty interesting, wouldn't right? it? Um, right. Yeah, no, especially since Price is from South Africa and Greg and is from Australia, and Greg's a pretty common name. So put pieces together. I bet he did, actually, yeah. matter of fact. He uh, should have just named the shark. Speaking of Africa, Vijay Singh and his son, Kas. Vijay Singh from South Africa? Fiji. Fiji. He's from Fiji, isn't he? Yep. That's he an is. island right. in the Pacific for anyone that doesn't know, because I had to look it up when I first heard of yeah, Fiji. I was like, where right. the hell is Fiji? For some reason, I was thinking South Africa, and then as soon as I said it, I was like, that doesn't sound right. Yeah. Fiji. Well, a lot of people think Fiji's just a brand of water. Uh, well, it is that as well. Yeah. Very Fiji's true. very, very versatile. Yeah. Very very versatile. versatile name, Fiji. Uh, Annika Sorenstam and her father, Tom, are playing. Justin Thomas and his father, Mike. Lee Trevino and his son, Daniel. Bubba Watson is playing with his father in law, Wayne Ball, as far as I believe. Uh, no relation to friend of the show, Steve Ball. I <laughs> don't think so. As far as I know. Uh, well, one, well, one thing I'll admit there is that Bubba's wife, her name slipping slip my. Um, uh, name off the top of my head, but she's a fairly fairly large woman. I mean, she's t- Bubba's like six four, and she's almost as tall as he is. So Angie. I bet Angie. That's Angie six three. So I bet the father in law is probably a fairly athletic individual. Just just off of hunch, I, I could be completely wrong there. So that might be something to look look into. But I think we all know what the main storyline here is, Colby, and that's uh, Charlie and Tiger. And so, how much money are you going to be laying on the eleven year old to win this week? Yeah, I mean that's the final team. It's the final team for the PNC Championship this week. Uh, I mean, look, it's a scramble. So Charlie and Tiger, I, Charlie hit it straight. Tiger hit bombs. Hey, here's what would make me bet on Charlie and Tiger. If I could find somewhere what yardage Charlie would be playing the course from. I mean, if Charlie's getting like a 150-yard head start on some of these holes, then I think that they could have a chance to be flipping wedges in all week. And they might do that anyway. I'm sure it'll be a very friendly setup for this type of challenge. But if Charlie's moved way up on the tees, uh, then I think obviously that will give them a better chance. Here's here's my prediction. I know that we've kind of gone over this, but my prediction is that after Saturday's round, we're going to have Greg Norman and his son Gregory with a pretty healthy lead. I, I don't think they're going to be able to hang on. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Gosh dang it. For and and for someone like my dad who grew up a huge Greg Norman fan, I, I think that's just horrible. And and but but it's rightfully said. Yeah, so, that joke's intended for him and, and a few of the other old timers. By the way, I really like Greg Norman. I think he's great in interviews. I, I think he's a lot of fun. Uh, he was absolutely uh, horrible as a broadcaster, but other than that, he's Yes, good. but in interviews he's good. Yes. But as a broadcaster on Fox, yes, he was terrible. He was uh he, he was 1996. Yeah. Sunday Augusta, terrible well, as a broadcaster. The one but. thing I will say here that will benefit Charlie and Tiger, I'm trying to look up if Charlie's going to get to play it much forward, but... You know, this isn't this isn't in Orlando. I mean, it's not like Ty, it's not like Charlie's having right. to travel to New York or California because you know I don't know how much 
global golf Charlie has played? Probably not that much. So I'm assuming the only golf courses he played are probably in Florida or at least relatively close to that. So it's not like he's going to be going out there and putting on a whole entirely new surface or going to be seeing entirely different conditions than he used to. So I think that could benefit him as well. But you have to think 11 year old on the big stage, knowing the pressure that he's going to be getting, um, you got to think that it, I mean, it, it is a technically a hello world moment kind of deal like Tiger had in at Milwaukee. So he's going to be on TV playing golf. That's Big deal. And he, well, then the thing is, too, he's not just doing golf. He is the biggest storyline this week. He, I mean, he's a bigger storyline than, than Tiger is. Oh, yes. I, Charlie uh, is the biggest storyline. Of course, 100%. No doubt. Because we're all kind of waiting to see if we're going to have 30 more years of Tiger. I and, mean, really. And we're all just grabbing onto it and hoping for it and wanting it. And it's it, it's kind of sad in a sense yeah. as us fans. It really is. We, we, we love golf so much, it doesn't matter who's going to be out there. We're going to... No, gonna it doesn't, it, but if it was Charlie, it'd just be so cool. It would be. It, 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 there, there's no doubt about it. But, it, you know, as, as us Tiger fans, we have to... You know, at some point we're gonna have to let go, and it's gonna be hard. It, it, it's gonna it's gonna hurt, and we. I don't want to talk about it. I'm not there yet. We almost did it in 2017, Colby. Uh, yeah, I had gotten myself ready for it, and now I'm not ready for it. No, we can't do it. No, no. It, it's 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 like thinking a family member has died, then they've come, then you realize, oh, they are alive. You know that kind of thing. I know that's kind of an extreme <laughs> analogy, but, but, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, so uh, by the way, Saturday from noon to 1:30 our time, you can watch it on Peacock, which is NBC streaming service, and then from 1:30 to to four, you can watch it on NBC Sports. So that's the Saturday coverage. Uh, you can also watch streams online of any any of those if you're not in front of your TV or if you don't have those uh, channels. And then on Sunday, it'll be on. Sunday's actually tape delayed. So you're going to play Sunday morning and then the tape delay will tape air Sunday delay. afternoon. Oh, man. So you might, you might want to stay off social media if you're actually anticipating uh, watching this to try to see who makes the the bomb on 18 to win it. But Sunday from one to two, our time will be on golf channel. And then from two to five, our time will be on NBC sports. So I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to be down at my parents, uh, this weekend for Christmas on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we're doing it a week early cause we're with my wife's family this year on Christmas day. So I'll be down there and it's going to be a whole lot of TV juggling between college football championship Saturday, the NFL and the PNC father son challenge. We're, we're going to have multiple screens up at all times. Here, here's my question for you, Kobe. I'm reading right here. I, I can't figure out if if the age, depending on what tees the second player hits from, I can't find that. But I do see here the winning team does get 200000 Now let me ask you two questions. One, if Charlie wins, does he have to forego that to keep his amateur status? And two, will, will Tiger give Charlie the $100,000 no matter what? That is a great question. I am. I would almost guarantee you that they're, they would not be allowed to accept that money because it would kill Charlie's amateur status. And we talked about that. I don't, I don't think even Tiger would be allowed to just take it himself and be, I mean, it's, it's Charlie's dad. Like that money's going to both. I, I don't think that he'll be allowed to accept that. Give it to the Tiger Woods Foundation. Give it to the Tiger. Yeah, there you go. The NCAA probably wouldn't allow that to happen either. No, he wouldn't. Or, or the USGA for that matter. Because there's one thing the NCAA doesn't care about, it's the kids. It is the student athletes. Student athletes. Yes, absolutely. Go check out that great South Park clip. Uh, Taylor, a lot of good stuff today. 
lot of good stuff. Good really, golf I'm, being played I'm, in December. I'm, I'll be honest with you, Kobe. Yeah, like like I said earlier, I did not think that we'd have this much golf content to talk about in December. Normally, we probably would have made a whole show about my, the Every Shot Counts book, and we were able to turn it into a segment, which, you know, once I get further along into the book, we'll still have more information to give you on the show, because all we want to do is make you guys out there better at, at the game of golf and make you enjoy golf more. So we'll definitely have more of that to come. But as long as we can keep talking about golf tournaments, I love it even more. And so it doesn't look like we're going to get – we might get one week off with Christmas and New Year's, but right after that, we're at Kapalua, baby. Yeah, three weeks from tomorrow, the the calendar year starts for the Ooh, PGA Tour. Our one and dones restart. We're going to be one and done. Oh yeah, yeah. Draft. Yeah, did you reactivate your one and done pool? Of course. Oh yeah. You know, you know. Yeah. I mean, we've well. got to redeem ourselves after the poor performances this last year. And the COVID messed it up. I mean, I was, I was. Oh yeah. yeah I mean, I'll, I'll blame it on that. Without so. the COVID, we're, I probably would have been top fifty at least in a ninety minute pool. <laughs> Well, you, you 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 win some, you lose some. The problem is last last year we kind of lost a lot more than we won. Unfortunately, Kane's coming my way though for our, uh, our podcast one and done pool. That's fair. I'll give you some credit. I, I I had gotten a lot of canes from you from from other bets and stuff. So I didn't want you to to feel so bad that you had to stop giving canes bets out. You know, you don't want I, me to get such a deep hole. Exactly, exactly. That's yeah, I, I wanted because because I love having these these able to bets, and if you just keep losing all the time, you're going to stop wanting to do it. And so I, I couldn't let that happen. So I had to be I had to be friendly too. Yeah, fair enough. That'll be good. And uh, the only reason we did two separate one and done pools this past season was was because of the long break. We started one fresh here with the podcast after well, COVID. And also we started the podcast in March, and we had right. and the, or like the, the pool, last week of February or February, yeah, when COVID hit, yeah. yeah, exactly. And we had already done nine or ten tournaments worth of picks before then, so it would have been yeah. kind of hard. We would have had to eliminate everyone else. But nevertheless, I, I I couldn't be more excited for it, and it's um, it really is exhilarating having all this all this golf and great golf. And hopefully, just, you know, we have the news of the vaccine and everything. Hopefully, we just don't have any damn setbacks. That's exactly. all I care about. Let's just keep on keeping on getting things back to normal, playing a whole bunch of golf, European Tour full schedule next year, uh, PGA Tour full schedule next year, Olympics set to take place next summer, Ryder Cup set to take place next fall. There is so, so much golf that's going to be played in 2021. I cannot wait. Everybody enjoy the PNC Father-Son Challenge this Saturday. Thanks for listening once again to the 73rd Hole.